Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Hey, well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you are and when you are watching this. I know that a lot of us like to come together on a Sunday morning when we would traditionally do our church service and watch this together, but I also know there's a lot of us that watch it later on in the week, or maybe you're even watching it from another part of the world, in which case it's not even morning right now. One of the cool things about Activate Online is that after the service finishes, uh, I can jump on and see what different parts of the world people live in that watched the video. So about 90% of the people that watch Activate Online live in Canterbury, which makes sense because that's where we all live. But last week, we had people watching from uh, various places in the North Island of New Zealand. We had people watching in America. We even had people watching in Singapore. So wherever you are watching from, whenever you are watching, welcome to Activate Online. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We are continuing our series on the top 10, which is our series on the 10 commandments. And today we are up to commandment number seven, siete in Spanish, just in case you wanted to know. Uh, if you've missed any of the first six, you can check out our podcasts on iTunes. Just search for Activate Christchurch, or you can go to our website and you can watch or listen to all of the messages that we've done up until this point. But today is commandment number seven, which if you open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, it's another commandment that I have managed to memorize off by heart because it's only five words. And commandment number seven is this, you shall not commit adultery. Now, I have talked in the past about our propensity as human beings to rank you know, mistakes or to rank sin on a scale. And so we go, well, lying is bad, but it's not as bad as stealing. You know, stealing is bad, but it's not as bad as adultery. Adultery is bad, but it's not as bad as murder. And so we have this, this hierarchical list where we place things. And most of us as human beings would place, you know, adultery fairly up the list because the consequences of adultery are so dire. Uh, so many people get hurt. So many people uh, cause pain. There are relationships that are often irrevocably damaged. Uh, but God doesn't see adultery like that. And so I just want to remind anybody that might be watching today, if you're sitting at home or wherever you're watching going, you know, I've made that mistake. That is a commandment that I have broken. I just want to remind you that there is nothing that you could do. There is nothing that you have done that makes God love you any less than he already loves you. He loves you to infinity and back. And there is nothing that we can do that any of us can do that could ever separate us from the love of God. I love David in the Bible, right? King David, he's an awesome guy. He's he's a warrior. He's an incredible leader, yet he's also poetic and he's very creative and he wrote songs. And, you know, I have a lot of affinity uh, with David. I love David. And he is probably the person in the Bible that has the single greatest compliment ever given to any person in the Bible by God. And that is that God allows Jesus, his son, to constantly be referred to throughout the Bible as the son of David. I mean, I don't think you can get a higher compliment from God than that he would allow his son to be constantly referred to as your son. I mean, that is a stamp of approval if ever you have seen one. And yet David broke commandment number seven. 
he committed adultery. And not only did he commit adultery, but he panicked when the woman that he was having an affair with got pregnant and he arranged for her husband to be murdered. I mean, David, he dove down deep man into the mud and God still loved him and God still restored him and just as importantly God still had a plan for David and so not only am I telling you this morning that regardless of what you have done whether it's commandment number seven or whatever it is that you've done wrong in your life not only does God still love you but God still has a plan for you I love the story of Saul in the New Testament who becomes Paul I mean this guy was just evil personified he was like the first century equivalent of Hitler he was going around rounding up Christians, people that believed in Jesus, that were following Jesus' teachings, and having them executed. I mean, if you had gone back to the first century and grabbed any Christian and said, hey, what do you think of this guy called Saul? They would have gone, ah, oh, he's a monster. He's just horrible. He's the worst person on the planet. Just, ah, oh, he's gross. Right, And yet he had an encounter with God and he ended up becoming, aside from Jesus, you could argue probably the most influential New Testament Christian. Like probably more responsible for the gospel being spread and preached than any other man. He wrote a third of the New Testament. I mean, he God did something amazing with his life. And I love that story because it gives me hope. Right, That when I make mistakes, when I stuff up, that God can still use us in an extraordinary way. So if you were watching this morning and you know it's touch a nerve because this is an area that you've let yourself down in, I just want to remind you, God still loves you. God can still use you in an exciting and dynamic way. And it's just up to us to say, God, I stuffed up, but I'm sorry, like King David did. And I still want to serve you and I still want to be a part of what you've got planned for my life. If you're watching this morning, and you're feeling pretty chuffed right now because this isn't an area that you've been struggling with, well, hold that thought because we're going to move from Exodus through to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. And just to set the scene, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? But Jesus is sitting on a hill. It's the sun is out. The grass is green. He's got his disciples around him. He's got uh, you know all the people watching, the crowd of people. And he's not preaching a specific message. He's not telling a specific parable. He's just waxing lyrical. He's just monologuing. He's just externally processing. And he's just throwing nugget after nugget after nugget out truth after truth after truth. He's just spitballing all these different ideas. He's talking about this. He's talking about that. And he gets to adultery. And he says, hey, in verse 27, he says, you will have heard it said, uh, do not commit adultery. And everyone would have said, yep, yep, I'm, I feel like I'm doing pretty well there. And he goes, but he says, I, I tell you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And every guy there, and maybe every guy watching right now, shifts a little bit uncomfortably in their seat. What would you, you say, Jesus? Because it sounds like you just said that if I find a woman attractive, or if I if I look at a woman and think, mm-hmm, she's a bit of all right, that I'm an adulterer. I mean, is that what you're saying? I, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think we need to recognize, first of all, that um, it looks like here he's speaking fairly exclusively to men. Let's just own that, guys. Not saying that women don't also 
have to be careful in this area, but we are wired very differently. Uh, but we are, particularly as men uh, and as women, but we are wired to find the opposite sex attractive. I mean, that's the way that God made us, to be attracted to the opposite sex. It's a big part of his plan for us to populate the world, right? It's much harder to do that if you don't find the opposite sex attractive. So that's a part of our biology. It's a part of our DNA. I remember when I was 16, 17, uh, this is just before my dad uh, passed away. And so it must have been like a few months before he passed away because we were living out in Swananoa and we were only out there for uh, less than a year before dad passed away. But I was in the car with dad and I can remember whereabouts on the road we were outside. And I'm 17, I'm a teenager. You know, teenagers have a lot of stuff going on, hormonally. And uh, I don't, I must have been having a bad day about something, but I don't remember the context. I just remember I said to dad, basically, oh, I can't wait till I'm married and I just don't have to deal with any of this stuff. Yeah, I don't have to deal with any of this stuff. And I still remember my dad just laughing at me. And he said to me, this thing that blew my mind, he said, you don't stop getting attracted to women when you get married. And I said, what? He goes, you don't stop getting attracted to women when you get married. It just like stunned me. Like I, I don't know why. I just thought that you get married and then that's it, man. Like you are only attracted to your wife, period. But of course that's not true because your your biology doesn't know whether you've got a, a ring on your finger or or not, right? Yeah, try to work it out in the mirror. Well, which is my right hand? Your biology doesn't know. You just you just and and also, I would go so far as to say I don't think you can even take responsibility for being attracted to someone. So not only can you find someone attractive, but we know that attraction, like this physical attraction, so much of it is pheromones and hormones, all this stuff going on that you're not in control of. What we are in control of is what we do with it when we experience it. I remember Trevor Yaxley telling a funny story. If you don't know who Trevor Yaxley is, not important. He's, he's a great guy, a Christian guy, pretty well known around New Zealand. But he tells a story about a time where he and his wife were out for a coffee somewhere. And it was like they were in a cafe or they were in a, a food court. They were somewhere where there were people going past all the time and they could sit there and you know, have their coffee and watch the people go past. He says they're sitting there having coffee. He's there with his wife. He loves his wife. But this woman walks past. And in Trevor's words, he said she was unbelievably attractive, like just an like a really attractive woman. And not only was she really attractive, but she must have known that she was really attractive because she was wearing clothes that highlighted all of her uh, attractive bits. And so as she walked past, he did the thing that sometimes some guys do. He went, right? And, and then he kind of like pulled his attention back and his wife was doing the thing that wives do when their husbands do that thing. She was going, mm-hmm, I see, right, mm-hmm, right. And so his wife says to him, do you find that attractive? Were you attracted to her just now? Do you find that attractive? Ah, uh, R.I.P. Trevor. No. And so Trevor kind of freezes and all of the potential answers pop into his head that husbands say to their wives like, of course not, honey, I haven't found a single woman attractive since I married you. Or my personal favorite, I don't even see gender. So I've tried that one a couple of times. Um, but he decides to go down the route of honesty. Brave, brave man. And so he looks at his wife and he says, uh, yeah, actually, honey, I, I was attracted to her. I did find that attractive. And his wife looks at him and she says, well, good, 
because otherwise it would mean I'd married a dead man. And like, the truth is that we can't help who we're attracted to sometimes. We can't help finding someone attractive as the way that we're wired. Jesus isn't saying, if you look at a woman and go, wow, she's really attractive. Or, or women, if you look at a guy and go, mm, Brad Pitt. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, it's probably getting a bit on now. I don't know who the modern day equivalent would be. I was about to say George Clooney. He's even older. You know, Ryan Gosling, maybe. I don't know. But you know, there's... It's, it's okay to go, that's an attractive man, that's an attractive woman. But what Jesus is talking about here is, is your imagination just taking that person and, and going off and doing things in your mind that, that your imagination should not be doing. I think the best way I heard it put was, I heard somebody preach on this once, and they said, it's, it's almost like getting to the point in your heart where you say, if I ever had the chance to do something with that person I would do it. Like you make a decision inside that given the opportunity, I would go there. It's that's kind of what Jesus is talking about, according to you know the messages that that I've heard. But laying all of that aside, I didn't want to talk about that because Jesus goes on to say something incredibly fascinating, and that's what I want to camp on this morning, real quick, because he continues on, and I'll paraphrase in Matthew chapter five. He says, following on from this, you know, his take on adultery and how what we have going on inside is really important because Jesus is always so much more interested in what's going on inside of us than necessarily how we're acting on the outside. And yet as humans, we focus far more on what's going on on the outside than what's happening for people on the inside. But anyway, he's talking about adultery and then he continues and he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, he says, gouge it out and throw it away because it's better for you to live the rest of your life with one eye than to go to hell with your whole body. Or if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away because it's better for you to walk around for the rest of your life with you know, one hand missing than to go to hell with your whole body. And I can imagine everybody sitting there would just be going, well, this escalated quickly. Here I was feeling pretty good about having never committed adultery. Now I can't look at a woman. You got me chopping body parts off. What's going on? And guys, let's just be thankful that he stopped at hands because he's talking about adultery and then says if a body part causes you to sin, chop it off. Could have been a lot worse, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Oh my gosh, I can't believe my pastor just said that. Anyway. What I find so fascinating about this, and let's just be clear, because we live in an age where people say things on video and people misinterpret that Jesus is not literally saying, gouge your eye out, cut your hand off, right? He's speaking figuratively. He's speaking metaphorically. He's making a point using extreme language, which you see in the Bible all the time. He's not saying, chop it off. I mean, if I had to literally chop off my body parts every time I made a mistake, by the end of the week, I'd just be one of those guys that has a head and a torso and just walks around like this, telling everyone to be grateful for their life and how amazing life is. I'd be, you know, one of those guys. So he's not saying you got to chop every body part off. He's, he's, He's trying to communicate an attitude and his heart towards us. And his heart towards us and his attitude towards us is like, hey, I have got so little tolerance for anything that causes you to stumble that I would rather you cut it off and cut it out of your life. And here's the interesting thing. He goes out of his way to say your right eye and your right hand. If I were Jesus, if I were trying to make a point, I would just say like, hey, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. 
But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, your right eye or your right hand. Why does he do that? Well, in the Jewish culture, the right eye is considered far more valuable than the left eye. Uh, the right hand symbolizes strength and power. There's a lot of positive to go with the right hand. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, even if there's so much good that comes from this, even if there's so much power that comes from this and so much positive stuff comes out of this, if it's causing you to stumble even a little bit, you've got to cut it off. And not just cut it off, but throw it away. The Greek word for throw it away, it literally means to, to, to do it violently in such a way that you don't even see where it lands. Right, you don't even care. So it's not that you cut it off and then you're like, oh hand, I miss you. You did so much good for my life. I wish you'd come back. No, it's like it, you are dead to me. I've cut you off. I've thrown you into the bushes. I couldn't find you again if I wanted to because I wasn't even paying attention to where you landed. Jesus is saying you have to have zero tolerance for anything in your life that causes you to stumble, that causes you to trip up, even if there's so much good that comes with it. Like, for example, a relationship. Maybe you have a relationship, a friendship, you've got colleagues, whatever, and there's a lot of good stuff in it, but every now and again, they just trip you up. Every now and again, they, they suck you into something that just stuffs your life up for a period of time. And here's the thing, we all have Every single one of us, we all have things in our life that make us stumble. James says, pretty sure it's James, we all stumble in many ways. So all of us, me, you, every single person on the planet, we have things in our life that cause us to stumble. It's easy to cut out the bad things, right? If you've got something in your life that's just terrible, I'm going to cut that out. It's hard to cut off a hand. I mean, I do a lot of good stuff with my right hand. You know, I love playing piano. I write with my right hand. I draw. I like, there's so much good stuff that comes from this. Same with my eye. I love my right eye. It gives me depth perception. It gives me perspective. It means that I can see stuff. Peripheral. Like, there's so much good stuff that comes from having a right eye. But yet, if it causes you to stumble, you have to cut it out and throw it away. And so here is the question for this morning. And we're done. Like, we're done already. But this is what I want you to go away this week. This is between you and God. I can't tell you this. I can't help you with this. You have to do this with God yourself. Here is the question for this week for you and God. What causes me to stumble? That's the question. What causes me to stumble? And if you're someone that gets stressed out about hearing from God, if you're like, well, I don't know how this works. It's like, it's really simple. This is what I do. I just make time for myself. So I might go outside for a walk. I might do it while I'm driving in the car, anywhere where it's just me on my own. And I don't have uh, necessarily music playing in this instance, but I just try and get into a space where it's nice and quiet. So if I'm in the car, I turn the radio down. If I'm outside, I don't take my headphones. And I just wander around and I think about stuff. And so I'll just pose that question. What is it that makes me stumble? And I'll just see what thoughts pop into my head. It's nothing overly stressful. It's not onerous. I don't get nervous about it. I don't try and force anything. What is it about my life? You know, is it anger? Is it, is it lust? Is it, uh, you know, whatever? Is it, is it a relation? Is it a person? Uh, is it Netflix? You know, is it, am, am I watching movies that, like, I love movies. Movies are great. But maybe there's some types of movies that you just don't watch. Like, personally, I love fantasy. Uh, I, I love getting caught up. In other words, I love Lord of the Rings, you know, the all this kind of stuff. And I had, had so many people when Game of Thrones came out. So many people said, bro, you would love Game of Thrones. And, and maybe I would. 
but there's just too much dodge stuff in there for me. And so that would be a stumbling point for me. That would cause me to trip up. That would set my walk with God back a step or two. And so I have not touched it. I have not gone anywhere near it. I couldn't even name a single character in it, even though I probably would have liked it. And you might argue, oh, Josh, it's only five minutes of dodgy stuff for an hour and a half of good stuff. Well, that's what cutting the hand off looks like. Yeah, it means I'm going to forego all of that good stuff because I don't want to put up with the bad stuff. What is it that causes you to stumble? This week, I want you to spend some time with God and get an answer for that. First question, what causes me to stumble? And then the second question, once you feel like you've got a bit of a handle on that, is just this, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it? So what causes me to stumble? What do you want me to do about it? Because family, Jesus had zero tolerance, zero tolerance. And often I think we tolerate stuff in our life that stuffs it up because of, for whatever reason, we just can't afford to do that. We have to get really strict on this. If it's causing you to stumble, if it's tripping you up, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt like you make like five steps forward with God and then two steps back and then five steps forward and then two steps. Well, what's what's causing the step back? What is causing me to stumble? That's the question for this week. I'll leave that for you and God to sort out. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We've got some slides to pop up. If you've got any questions about church or Christianity or God or even anything that I've talked about this morning, uh, there'll be some information on these slides about how you can contact us. Uh, another thing we're going to do just a little bit differently today is we're just going to have these slides playing for the next five minutes or so. And this is just a chance for everyone to say goodbye. One of the things we've noticed in the last few weeks is that church finishes and then bang, that's it. So please do spend the next five minutes or so just chatting to people, saying goodbye, saying have a good week. You know, we might only be a couple of weeks away from being able to meet in person. Who knows? But let me pray for you and then everyone can say hello. I'm going to jump on as well and just say hello to everybody. So don't shoot away straight away. Say hello to somebody just like you would if we were meeting in person. Give someone a virtual hug. Hug, hug, hug virtually. Anyway, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just bless every single person that is watching uh, today, whether they're watching morning, evening, or night, whether they're here in New Zealand or over in Singapore or wherever they are. Uh, and God, I ask that when we set aside time this week to spend with you and to just say, hey God, where am I? What's causing me to stumble? That you, would, that you would reveal it to us. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you want us to live a life that is full of adventure and that you want us to live a life that is abundant in every way, that your word says in John 10, 10, that you came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And God, you don't want us to be tripping up and falling down and stumbling. And so, uh, Lord, just for every single person watching right now, I pray that you would reveal to them an area in their life that they can work on this week so that they can be closer to you and live a life that is uh, more consistent with the life that you have for us. Uh, I also pray for every single person watching, if they don't know you, that you would meet them this week. And so if that's you this week, if you're someone that doesn't know God, maybe you've just ended up watching this video randomly, I just want to confirm for you today that God loves you, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he is desperate to encounter you and to meet with you this week. And so if you set aside time and if you are genuine in your heart to meet with God, I promise you that you will meet with God this week. Uh, and again, any questions that you have, just jump onto our Facebook page and fire them through. Uh, thank you so much for watching today. Have a great week and fingers crossed that we might see you in person in a couple of Sundays time. God bless.